what we do is we engage and we we give out relationally all day. All day. All day. Do you notice when you don't get that time versus when you do? Definitely. Especially if it's been more than one day. Okay. Right? Like my job and some of the things that I get to be a part of outside of my position become uh, half two things. Like, ugh. I have to do this instead of get two things. Oh, wow. Um, right. Oh man, I get to do that. And so I, I find that if I'm regularly in the word, I'm more likely to have a get to attitude about what I get to be a part That's of. That's really that. good. Hey man, there you go. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Chad here with an awesome guest. You haven't heard from him for a while, but I will say when you hear from him, you'll remember it. LJ McCullough. My man, my teammate, uh, so glad to have you back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. You've been, where you been? You've been you doing know, stuff. A l- little bit of basketball league stuff, a little upward basketball. Yeah. Getting the, the spring semester rolling with the kiddos. And then, you know, we've got three that are playing upward basketball. So between practice and games, it's because been pretty you're, wild. You're coaching. Coaching. You're not just overseeing the league. But you're coaching a team. Three teams. Three teams. But I've got great co-coaches. I don't call them assistant coaches because they do a lot. Yeah. But man, it's fun, but exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> a busy season for sure. Definitely. Uh, you're also uh, finishing up seminary. That's right. So you got that. In the last run. You're in the last few months. The last leg of it. Yeah, for sure. What's your last class? What do you? What so you I'm taking a, uh, a Hebrew class. The language Hebrew, not the book of the Bible. Yeah. And um, I'm really enjoying my professor. I'm enjoying the learning process, but it is a challenge and I'm ready to be done. Yeah. And then I have just a little one hour mentoring class that I do. So. Okay. Yeah, man. So come summer, things will look different. That's right. Summer's going to be a good time. Yeah, buddy. Hit a different stride. No Wednesday night stuff in the summer. But uh, we've got some fun summer camps that we are a part of, and yeah, we'll have a lot of kids on campus. If you're uh, tuning in and this is your first time to engage with LJ and uh, the Take and Read podcast, one of the things about LJ that I love, especially having him on this podcast, is that LJ's calling and role on our team as a pastor is he is our kids' pastor. So he has to think in terms of the gospel on a regular basis being communicated to our kiddos. You've got to think about theological concepts, complicated things, uh, that for every, every kiddo, it may be the same question, but it, it, it may have to be handled differently depending on what you know about them, their situation. But he has to break things down and kind of really what's the essence of something and figure out how do I best communicate that. Definitely. A lot of circular learning. Hit, yeah. hit an idea, hit a big theological truth, and then I know in the next four or five weeks we're going to come back around to that same thing. Yeah. yeah. Man, excited. Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Before we jump into the, the scriptures today, 
as a returning guest, when I first had you on, we explored a little bit. What does your time on the regular look like in the word? How do you, where is it at? What time of day when you're in it? What does that consist of? And so now what I'd love to do is have you kind of just speak into in this season, however you want to define that, the season of life, what is you kind of pull back and look at this season, what would be something that you go, this is what God's teaching me right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, man. Um, I think given the busyness of my family schedule right now, feels like we're going, 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 our evenings each night of the week have something besides Monday night right now. And so the pace of our life is just picked up for a season. And so the Lord has reminded me through his word, um, specifically through the Psalms, that he can be my rescue, he can be my peace, he can be my hiding place. I, I love that term. Hmm. And so um, my time with him slows me down, gives me a chance to breathe. And uh, I like to think that it's life-giving, right? He, mm-hmm. he speaks into me through his spirit. And so that's been a huge blessing in my life. Do you, do you notice the days that you don't get that time with everything? Cause it's not as though things kind of cease. Like we're in a busy season. Yeah, yeah. What we do is we engage and we, we give out relationally all day, all day, all day. Do you notice when you don't get that time versus when you do? Definitely. Especially if it's been more than one day. Okay. Right. Like, my job and some of the things that I get to be a part of outside of my position become uh, have to things like, ah, I have to do this instead of get to things. Oh, wow. Um, right. Oh, man, I get to do that. And so I, I find that if I'm regularly in the word, I'm more likely to have a get to attitude about what I get to be a part That's of. That's really that. good. Hey, man. There you go. That's really good. <laughs> the difference between have to and get to. Right. That's, well, we could wrap it up right now. Hey. That's good. There we go. Did you make that up? I didn't make that up. I actually used that for the last couple of weeks in teaching. Oh, man. But it's, it's been part of, of maybe my quiet time with the Lord the last, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks. But what a... What a, just a slight shift in the way that we approach our day Oh man! and the things that maybe are troublesome or we see as distractions or things that got in our way. We had this planned, but now we've got to deal with this instead. And I have to versus I get to engage here, man, that's powerful. There we go. Dude, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Anything else in this season, um, that's swirling about? Where are you at in, in, your, in the Word? Where do you find yourself these days? The Psalms right now. Okay. But I think because my schedule's so packed and how real the Psalms are with just emotion and frustration and life and joy, uh, I've felt very connected in reading through the Psalms. And so that's, that's where I've been. It's been good. That's good. Yeah, man. All righty. Well, uh, as we do on this podcast, we're going to take and read the scriptures. Let's do it. We are still in the early stages of Mark. We're beginning to see some transition occur, but we're in chapter three. Uh, We're going to jump into chapter three, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 19 today. Okay. Uh, We kind of have navigated a few things where he has been stirring the pot, as it were. He's been 
doing things on the Sabbath that are really frustrating some people. He's oh. healing. He's eating. He's, uh, yeah, he's teaching uh, different things and demonstrating some things that are really starting to, to kind of push against the grain of yeah. what the religious leadership of the time. And they're starting to get frustrated. But at the same time, there are huge multitudes following him. Yeah. He's got a lot of people that are like, we've heard what he can do. And we've noticed that that's primarily what's been going on. They, they are aware of what he can physically do for them. Yeah. So they come out of the woodwork and they bring their friends and family out of the woodwork because they're, they want the stuff. They're like, hey, we want the stuff he can do. see it for themselves. They want to see it and they want, they want that healing. Yeah. They want that restoration. And this obviously is just a symptom of the kingdom, right? That restoration, that healing. Yeah, yeah. But there's something bigger at play because it's not what he can do, but who he is that we're really starting to, to demonstrate. And I want to remind us that we, we always have to keep kind of in view what it is that Mark's up to in that this is one of the earliest accounts we have of the life and ministry of Jesus, yeah. the gospel or the good news, and that Mark is trying to lay out the case that Jesus is the Christ, yeah. the Messiah, the Son of God, and he makes that statement in the very first verse, and then from that point on, he is demonstrating why he thinks that's the case. Okay. Also, is that as Jesus, it says in one fourteen that he goes about preaching the gospel, telling them the kingdom of God is at hand, yeah. repent and believe. And so the content of Jesus' gospel is about the kingdom, and that's always just at play here. Yeah. And we see that when he's healing. And Anyway, so let's read. And then we're going to wrestle with some of these questions. There we go. All right. So we have chapter three, Mark. We are in the Christian Standard Bible translation. So again, we'll jump in and out of different translations. And so today we've chosen the CSB translation. Verse 13, Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the 12. To Simon, he gave the name Peter and to James, the son of Zebedee and to his brother, John, he gave the name Bonerges, that is sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. All righty. All right. So what are we working with? So the first thing we want to make sure we understand what it's saying. So are there things that, man, there's, okay, we got to understand what does this word apostle mean? Yep. The location kind of why he's picking some and not all. Cause just before this, we see that he's ministering to the multitude and there are hundreds of, maybe even thousands of people that are just following him around. Yeah. And so why does he take this, this moment to kind of say, okay, hey, you, you guys right here, come with me. And yeah. they draw away from the crowds apparently into this, the hill country or into this mountainish area. And apostles, what's that about? Who, you know, why some of these guys get extra nicknames? Yeah. Why? Like, so there's, there's some of these things. What does it say? And what I always try to do is we want to think too, what does this say about God? 
Yeah. And then what does it say about humanity? Yeah. These guys as well as us. Got so, it. All right. What do we got here? I see some, some things going on with the verbs um, in that he summoned those he wanted uh, and then he appointed 12. So when he summoned those that he wanted, was it just the 12 that came to him or did he say, all right, you, you group of people, you come. And then out of that group, I'm going to pick the 12. Is that what we're working with? And it, the, the text doesn't necessarily doesn't give us insight onto that. We just know that he summoned those that he wanted. Yeah. And those are the ones that came. There we go. I think I see intentionality mm-hmm. in the way that he's picking who's going to be his people that walk with him all the time. Yeah. He's, that, that doesn't seem like it's an open invitation to anybody. He's right, he's, he's getting his crew. That's right. You could even argue just in this kind of pericope, he's identifying who his family is. Yeah. Because there will be a time when there are others that think they're the family, but he kind of says, no, this is who my family is. Yeah. And that's actually coming up at the end of this chapter, but he's, he's gathering his crew. What do you make of the number 12? The fact that he calls them, they don't find him. And how that relates in kind of the big, big story of the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. So I think some of when he calls the 12, um, you know, if you read the larger narrative of the New Testament, specifically if you read some about the disciples in Matthew or John, you're going to see that they didn't all have the same job. They're not all the same people. Right. Um, some of them are fishermen. Uh, s- some of them have jobs that m- maybe people don't appreciate. Right. And yeah, for so sure. For sure. For whatever reason, God's calling them, Jesus calling them to be his guys that he pours into that, as we see here, that he gives authority to. And so there, there's got to be something that Jesus sees in them that they clearly can't see in themselves. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think also he sees how they need to grow. There's no way they're going to be able to do this immediately. And they don't show, they don't, they haven't, they're not called because they've demonstrated that they've arrived. Yeah, they didn't go through some. And he's like, okay, these are the cream of the crop. These are my best 12. You got the best grades. You got this. You got that. They made it through the tryout and they're clearly the the A team. (laughs) Like, no, you're, yeah, you're right that he grabs them right where they are. Yeah. And some of them are in, a rough space. Yeah. But he calls them. And there's this kind of a variety or a diversity in their backgrounds, their, their training. Uh, one thing that is consistent, they're all Jews. Yeah. All Jewish men that have been passed over and are now taking on different occupations other than becoming rabbis. Yeah or religious leaders. Yeah, I, I don't see anywhere that these guys are priests. They are not formally trained in the law. Okay. Right? So we've got these guys that they, they're like the last pick. Hey, I'm down with that. The, <laughs> they're not those the might top be picks. my types of people. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Doing it just kind of some deep dive into some of these names throughout the new Testament it is very revealing, and um, there's, there's something interesting here with the way that he kind of picks out the first three, yeah. and there's kind of some 
some details given about their identity. We have a few other details, but I think it's just to kind of differentiate them because they have the same names as others already mentioned, James and Simon. But there's also, to me, when I stand back, I go, okay, here's Jesus calling out certain people that are going to be with him. They're his people. Mm -hmm. And we see that historically in the Old Testament. When God calls out a people, he calls Abram. And then we understand Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes. Those become God's people Mm -hmm. that he's going to have a unique relationship with so the watching world can see what kind of God he is and be drawn. And so there's a particular blessing and provision given to those people. And so there's something here that is on display about God's kingdom and that he's He's calling a 12 to him. Yeah, parallels with. That parallels, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that that necessarily means, okay, now that he's starting over, yeah. he's going to start a new people. No, but it just, it parallels. This is, this is something going on in their midst yeah. about God's kingdom. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he could have just said, hey, I, I need seven guys, but he picks 12 for a reason. Yeah, he picks 12. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the particular names here simon he gave the name peter james the son of zebedee and his brother john he gave the name bonerges that's a fun name that is uh i just say it really fast so maybe it's being pronounced correctly <laughs> who knows how you say that it sounds good to me man <laughs> uh the sons of thunder hey look if if me and my brother could have a nickname together i would take sons of thunder all day <laughs> I, I don't think that name came out of nowhere. No. Uh, it's no. got to be representative of who they are to, yes. to some degree. Yeah. Th- there's a, in the Gospels, there's an account. Uh, I can't remember if it's in the Gospel of Mark or not, but it's basically they're leaving a town and these two brothers are like, they feel like Jesus has been offended, right? He's been disrespected. And yeah. so that's it. Let's just call down you know, thunder and lightning from heaven and destroy him. And he's like, whoa, 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 boys, put on the brakes. (laughs) They're about to cause a ruckus. Yeah, they're like, all right, let's use this mighty thunder. (laughs) They got authority. Let's use it. (laughs) So so we have these, and we'll see throughout uh, the, the Gospels that there is this particular attention given to Peter, James, and John. Right there, these three are, are often kind of pulled out yeah. on particular instances to whether it's to go pray with Jesus or it's to go and perform a healing or drive out a demon. There are times in which these three in particular are pulled in for special things. So there is something to be said about why they're the first three mentioned and that they're kind of set apart. Like yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's something there. Any, any thoughts? I, I think you're right. I think, um, when you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus has the 12 and then he has what some people would call his inner three. Right. And these guys are his inner three. It's not that the other guys aren't important, um, but they're going to be his go-tos. Okay. Like you said, hey, I need somebody to come pray with me. I'm, I'm going up to the mount. I need, need you guys to come with me. I need you three specifically to be with me up here. Okay. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned something here that, that jumped out. Uh, that they've been given authority. 
It's interesting that it says he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him. So they're, they're not necessarily just kind of, hey, I need you to get, go and start your own thing, but you're with me. Yeah. So there's some sort of like, in, a, in connection with me, he's going to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Yeah. To teach and cast out demons, which is essentially what he's been doing thus far. Yeah. But now he's deputizing this yeah. group. Huge difference. So I have this idea. It just came to me, right? So I, I've got four kids. Um, often my kids will watch the way that my wife and I um, provide instruction, maybe even discipline. Hey, this isn't going the right way. Make sure you do this the right way, you know? And so then they will, on their own, try to take up that authority. And so I'm not saying anything. Like names. correcting each other. Yes. <laughs> so, hey, you can't do that or put that up. You need to get ready for bed, you know, that stuff, yeah. because they know they have an idea. That's, that's what we're going to say. And that never goes over well, right? Right. And the other sibling doesn't go, oh, you're so right. I should do that. They say something like, you can't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, if I say to one of them, hey, go tell your sister that I said she needs to get ready for bed now. And so then if, if that kid that I said to go, go tell the sibling what I said, that sibling's going to listen because the authority that it's coming from is very clear. Yeah. Come, it's coming from me. And not, not on their own. Not, yeah, not the brother. It's coming not, from the father. Oh, that's good. And there's a similar incident I'm, that I'm just reminded of in Acts where there was this, this other guy, ah, I can't remember his name. He was trying to cast out demons and yeah, he yeah. wanted to be in the club, right? Yeah. And Paul was going around casting out demons, healing people, preaching, teaching. And the demon responds to this, oh, what was his? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about because the demon's like, I know these guys. He's like, Paul, I know. But who are Jesus, you? Jesus, I know, but who are you? <laughs> Who's this cat? Yeah. Right? So there was this, even in the demonic realm, there was this recognition of Paul's authority. Yeah. That it derived from Christ and Christ's authority. But somebody here was trying to exercise an authority that there they wasn't, have. they didn't have. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting here that these apostles have been called by Jesus. He picked the ones he wanted and he said, you will be apostles. Apostles uh, is, is a, a very Christian kind of religious word that means messengers or one who are ones who are sent with a message. Yeah. And so the message is the kingdom. The message is the king. The message is Jesus. They're sent with a message. They're with him. And then they're, they're given the task to preach. And then they're sent out to exercise an authority they've been given to cast out demons, to exercise that authority of Christ. And that's good stuff. So, Anything else we need to see here that we go, okay, I need to make some sense of this, right? Yeah, I, I think for a moment, when I hear the word to preach, I immediately think of what I would experience on a Sunday morning, mm. hearing the pastor from the front give me his sermon, maybe two main points, maybe three main points. I'm trying to think of the content that they're going to draw from to be able to preach. Are, are they going to stand in front of a group of people? Or are they going to preach to individuals? Right. Do we know? We can see that from here, historically, it was kind of all the above. Right. That's pretty it was cool, it was a sharing of it was telling. Yeah. 
of life-changing information. Yeah. Uh, and it sometimes was to individuals. Like we'll see throughout the book of Acts how these apostles will be sent to an Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. One guy who's wrestling through some of the scriptures, immediately understands, gets baptized. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be in front of kings. Sometimes it's to a small group of people. Sometimes it's Jews. Sometimes it's Gentiles. Sometimes it's uh, Samaritans. But in any and every context, they're going to be about the message because apostles, by definition, are ones who are sent with a message. They've been given a message. They're going to tell anybody and everybody they can. Give Give them time and an audience. It's on. Yeah. And I think that's telling too. Cool. That it doesn't have to be this official, okay, only on Sunday morning if you've been given a chance to get up and preach and have a pulpit and a microphone or something, but it's, you tell, you've been given a message, yeah. now you go and you it's do who it. they are. Yeah. Cool. And, that, and that's a thing, right? That it's, there's a, there's a sense in which he named them. Yeah. There's a whole nother component um, biblically about a name and how naming rights means something. Yeah. Even if you go back to like Genesis 1, it says that God made Adam, named him Adam, then Eve comes along and they're given authority and one of the first exercises of their authority is to name the animals. Yeah. Because now if I have a name, if I have naming rights, that means I have authority over because your name is going to define you. That's, so, that's a pretty cool idea carried into this text. Like, like if, I, if I think about what's happened so far through Mark, it's like he's setting the table to see, all right, we, we have an idea of who Jesus is already based upon what I've written. You see how he's called a few of his disciples. I, I've told you about that. But to be clear, like here's the 12 by name. Here, here are his guys by name. So I'm, I'm thinking that if we continue to read, we're going to see Jesus at work, but Jesus also leading his apostles, his disciples to be at work. Mm-hmm. Because they're his people. They're his people. Yeah. He has named them. And it even says in specific occasions, to Simon, he gave the name Peter. Yeah. So he renamed Peter. And to James and John, he gave the name Bonerges. Interesting. It is interesting. Interesting. Okay, so the next task... LJ, we stand back and we go, okay, we've been, been hanging out in this text. We stand back and go, okay, so what, we understand what it says. What do we, what do we understand its meaning to be? What yeah. do we stand back and go, okay, he appoints these 12. Everything we've looked at and wrestled with, what does this mean? It's tough. Yeah. I, I think part of, part of what I'm processing is if God has called me, then he's made me his people, right? He's yeah. made me to be someone who carries a message in the way that I live and the way that I speak to people to carry that message to others. Yeah. And so while I don't know that he's given me as a specific name or changed my name, he certainly changed my life. 
And so, um, there's something here about carrying that message on walking with that authority in a way that honors the Lord. Yeah. 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 And I think too, to, to go, okay, well, there is, there's something historical about this text, right? This is a very specific time in history, very specific men in history that have been given a very specific authority at that time. And so in the history of the church and the history of what we understand is Jesus's ministry and teaching that these individuals have been given a certain authority to preach, teach, drive out demons. Yeah. These are the men on whom the church will then be built and they will be the established foundation and their teaching will go forth and it carries with it the authority of Christ. Yeah. And so what we have in the new Testament is the teaching of these individuals, right? So the very one, uh, Simon, he gave the name Peter. Mark is recording most of what we would understand to be the teaching of Peter. Yeah. So this isn't Mark's own just generating account, but it's the collection of Peter's teaching and preaching, the very thing that he was given authority to do. And so we go, okay, there's something about then the authority of this text and of the teaching that's happening here. There's also this kind of personal kind of connection that you're talking about that like them, I cannot take credit for my being a Christian in the sense that I was searching and because because I was clever and just knew the right place to look that I found this, this treasure and good job. I pat yeah. myself on the right. back. I was, I was a team. I made myself yeah, good I, enough I, to I, get it. No, no, no way. Like these guys, I was not seeking. Yeah. Jesus called me and no, I don't, I don't have time to get into the story, but I can clearly identify with the, the reality that I was doing my own thing. And then he interrupted it and called me out. And from that point on, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm about his business now Yeah, in the same way that these men were about his business because he redefines my life. This yeah. is what I'm about now. Yeah. I'm not, I was about a lot of other stuff, but now this is what I'm about. And so there's something about that here, the authority that they have in their teaching that he is, he's called together his crew. He's given them very specific assignment and authority to carry out the continuation of who he is in his kingdom and to demonstrate that reality as they have authority and power to drive out demons and preach and teach. And a lot of that's unique to those guys as apostles. Exactly. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily carry on to us in the same way that it was given to them uniquely. Yeah. But I, I think the idea of being people that carry the message because we've received it and have had our lives changed by it. Right. Are now called, in the same way to go out and preach it to others. Yeah. And, and we can recognize its power because of what it's done transformationally in us. Yeah. And so that we can then have confidence that it has power as, as Jesus continues to empower this gospel by his spirit in the life of other people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got one more thing here. Yeah. I'm looking there at that verse 19. And, and Judas Iscariot. And I'm wondering why Mark put that in there for us. Yeah, it's interesting because you think the original audience is there, they would have known 
they it, it seems like it's put in there in a way that doesn't give much explanation. No, it's kind of premature. Not, it hasn't, hasn't happened, happened yet. yet. Yeah, in the 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 series of the story he's telling that that comes later in the story. Yeah. Yet he's giving an indication of who this is, and it seems like he he's assuming as this gospel goes out, yeah, there would be people that would have heard of it or understand. As he's calling these twelve, there was one that betrayed him. Yeah. So so mind blown for a second. <laughs> I go back early and I see that he summoned those that he wanted. Yeah. That means he picked Judas Iscariot. Knowing he wanted him, yeah, and knew that down the line somewhere he was going to be betrayed by him. So why did he even pick him? That's good, right? Amen. What do you say to kiddos when they ask that? My son asked me that the other day. I'm like, ask LJ. <laughs> <laughs> I I like to say, um, you know, God has an incredible plan. Um. I'm not trying to cop out here, right? I'm not saying, all right, God knows we don't. We just got to trust him. Um, But he knew that he was going to use the Judas, the story of Judas in a way to help accomplish his task. So how do we see that? Well, we know that Jesus had to be arrested. And we continue reading. We know that he had to go to the cross, that he had to suffer on the cross. So God has woven Judas into that plan for that to take place. And, And so I land on that. And then I land on whatever the case, I don't want to be Judas. <laughs> I don't want to portray Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And do kids wrestle with that fear? Like, am I just a. Oh, definitely, man. I, I think, especially kids that are third grade and older, they start getting a real sense of personal failure, not just like making a bad grade, but like mm. I let somebody down. Um, I might, maybe I let my parents down. And then once they, once they wrap their minds around that God is calling them and then they, they start thinking, Oh man, I could let God down. I think it becomes a real reality. I think there's a lot of fear in, in that idea with kids. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we come back around and teach, yeah, you are going to, you're going to come up short, but his grace is sufficient to cover you there. Mm-hmm. Question is, what do you do after that? Like, are you going to continue to run away from him? Or when his spirit makes known to you your sin, are you going to turn back to him? Yeah. Because he's going to call you out. Yeah. You know, I have the conversation with my kiddos that if you have the fear that you're going to be like Judas, that's a pretty good sign that yeah. you're not going to be. because the what drives that desire is I don't want to betray the Lord is there's there's a love and there's a fear in that which is very appropriate yeah and usually those that that walk away from the Lord or betray him they start caring about that or they stop caring about that yeah yeah they're not afraid of being like Judas yeah they're like what if but those that are like I don't I don't want to betray my Lord. That's a good sign. Yeah. And I, and I, and I try to give them that there's, there's a, an assurance in just that kind of emotional disposition that you can cling to. Yeah. That you're, that you're in his grasp. Yeah. And that's a good place. I think it extends to adults. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of times 
where I've fallen flat on my face and went, oh no, like I completely blew it. Um, but if I, you know, if the Holy Spirit convicts me and I run back to the Lord, he has a way to weave that into my story for his, yeah. for his glory. Yeah. So good. So the, the last thing we then wrestle with is, okay, we, we think through what it says. We think through what it means. So what? What do we, as followers of Christ, as husbands, as fathers, as pastors, what do we do with this? What do we walk out that door right now and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in light of this truth? I think there's some confidence that is instilled in me knowing that God wanted me. Like, like I'm thinking if I'm one of the disciples and he picked me out, I, I one, I'd be blown away by it. Two, I would like, man, my shoulders would come up, you know, like I would walk with some, a little bit of confidence. Here. Yeah. Not because of what I did, but because the value that's just been ascribed to me by Jesus. And so, man, if I remind myself that God called me to carry his message, like that's special, man. And it's heavy, right? It gives me some responsibility. But at the same time, like I know that I'm valued by the Lord. Yeah. I would be the kind of, I'd look behind me and assume he's picking, he's me. pointing at somebody else. But then that moment where you go, okay, okay, for, for real, you want me? It goes actually back to what you articulated at the beginning. All of a sudden, whatever my agenda was becomes it's non-existent anymore. I know where you're going. And I'm going to be about that, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden, whatever transpires in my day, whether I see it as a disruption or not, it's a get to. It becomes a get to. Not a have to. Yeah, man. Right? I mean, I think that's so appropriate yes. here. Oh, Because gosh. I just, it's not that the events of my day are going to change. Yeah. It's the way I interpret and understand every encounter I have with an individual or a situation. Yeah. I see it as, okay, this is what God has for me today. And he called me. And I get to be a part and of I've it. I've been given an assignment and now I get to be a part of this. Yeah. And I've got a message that I get to share. Yeah. Man, that's good. Hey, that was good. <laughs> I love that that was not planned at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. That is so cool. Well, LJ, thanks for being uh, with me today. Yeah. I know you're busy, but man, I enjoy having you on here. And uh, we will have you on again. It won't be as long as a duration or a gap because I definitely want you here right on. on the podcast. If you're tuning in and something that came up today, uh, you have a question, whether that's for me or LJ, you can email takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Send me those emails. I do my best. There's still a slight backlog. I'm trying to get caught up, but I'll, I'll get to your emails and your questions. Uh, but I do appreciate them. So you can email if you have a question for either LJ or I, uh, I'll make sure he gets that question. Uh, also, uh, give a shout out to 22 Beans Coffee. Again, they help uh, provide the, uh, some funds to do the editing and the production of this podcast. And so I'm so grateful for their support. Uh, you can support them. Go to 22beans.com, order up some coffee. The Shepherd's Roast is one of my particular favorites. Also, you can go there if you want. You see this hat. I got a new hat. I have a few new hats now with the Take and Read podcast logo. Uh, we're rocking uh, a newer logo on this hat. And so you can go there and get your uh, Take and Read podcast it's hat. It's fresh, man. looks it's good. It's new. We'll get yeah, you yeah. one. Yeah. You're not really a hat guy, though. It's because I have a ginormous head. 
It well, really is. <laughs> so many times people have been like, no, nah, it's like one size fits all. I'm like, ah, you mean one size fits most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you are a hat wearer, <laughs> order it up. All right. Thank you guys for, for joining us. And thank you, LJ. And we'll see you again. God bless. <laughs>